Hello, my name is Yojiro Seki. I'm a director, writer, and the producer of the documentary Carving the Divine. I am almost ready to release Carving the Divine. Uh, very excited. It's a 1,400 year old Japanese art tradition, and uh, you're not going to regret if you watch it. So, but today I have a somebody special who already watched Carving the Divine. Uh, yes, he's a super famous uh, uh, Zen monk, uh, Reverend Made More. Welcome, welcome. Nice to see you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, I know you are super, super famous in your community, but just in case for the people who don't know anything about you and uh, who don't know anything about the Rinzai Zen, please tell us something about them. Yeah, it's a very small community, so that's not such a famous <laughs> person, actually. Uh, but I'm serving as the abbot of Korinji, which is a Rinzai Zen Sodo, or training monastery, in the middle of the United States, in Wisconsin. And uh, we are practicing uh, there, a small number of people training full-time as a Zen, uh, you know, a residential practitioner, Unsui. We also uh, host uh, Zen retreats, Sashin, throughout the year. And we have a growing community in the United States as well as Europe, but we're doing our best to plant the Rinzai Zen teachings. And uh, my particular lineage comes from the great Rinzai Zen master, Omori Sogen, 20th century Rinzai Zen master. His lineage we are trying to plant here in uh, the West. And that, that is the, uh, our activity. But the Korinji, my temple in Wisconsin, is the center for that. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so like, if we, uh, people want to know more about it, what can we do? Oh, of course, they can go to the website, Korinji, K-O-R-I-N-J-I dot org. And we have a lot of amazing activity there, not just Zen, but also we have a, a dojo where we're practicing Shugendo and really trying to transmit something of an essence of a Japanese Buddhism to the West. Hmm. I know you are like a master of a Budo as well, so martial arts. So please tell us something about it as well. <laughs> well one of my uh, main teachers, he was a Zen master, but he was also a Aikido Shihan, uh, so Aikido master. I trained with him for many years. And uh, that has been a lot of my uh, professional activity in the past has been teaching Budo and uh, studying under different uh, Japanese uh, Bujutsu masters of various traditions. So our, our Zen tradition has a strong emphasis on uh, very uh, uh, intense physicality and uh, uh, harnessing a very strong kiai or energetic vibration in the training. So historically, martial arts are very useful for that. And I guess that's part of our tradition we're trying to uh, also transmit here. Very exciting, very exciting. I think a little bit uh, of everything you got there at the temple. Yeah, so. something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, wonderful, wonderful. So, yes, you've watched Carving the Divine already, but you know, what was your first impression? Well, my first impression is it's a very important film uh, because to me, it shows very clearly in a way that most films do not what is the essence of the student teacher relationship in a traditional kind of shugyo, traditional training. And that's something that uh, I think in the West we have uh, mostly lost. You know, we had a tradition in the West for centuries 
of, uh, for example, apprenticeship, uh, learning a skill by going to live with the master of a particular art or trade. And, and in that way, not just learning a skill, but learning a way of, of being, a way of life through that activity. But uh, as you well know, uh, in modern culture, most activities and arts and uh, trades and so on uh, have lost some of that spiritual essence and they have become uh, much more commodified. Uh, but your film shows that, that there are places where that traditional training, um, that, that kind of devotion of the student to catch the essence, not just of the master's skill, but the master's mind and heart and way of living, uh, it still exists. For that reason, I like all my Zen students to watch your film. And I think anyone who is studying something like a Buddhism or martial arts or any kind of fine art, traditional art, could catch something of the culture of learning, the culture of uh, resonance with the teacher that is so important uh, in those traditions. So, so I'm very grateful for it, very excited for people to see it. Oh, thank you so much for the great review. I cannot ask you anything more than that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, in essence, so when, you, when uh, students go to uh, your residential uh, place and live, that's kind of experience that you are providing to people? Yeah, you know, we have a saying in Zen that the transmission of the Zen teachings happens uh, mind to mind. And what that means is that, uh, you know, although Zen practice, like any other activity, involves mastering some kinds of skills and practices, the essence of the training can only be transmitted in human relationship by, by joining your mind, you know, by opening your senses, by observing the activity of the master or the teacher. That's the way generation to generation that what we call Zen is passed down. So uh, I, I think that is exactly what your film shows. And I, I wanna to mention to you one thing actually, one of my Zen teachers years ago uh, said to me that there was one film I should watch if I wanted to understand the, the teacher-student dynamic or relationship in Zen. And uh, so he gave a copy to me, there's an old day, so there's a VHS, you know, a long time ago. <laughs> but it was Akahige, it was a red beard by Kurosawa, mm -hmm. it was an amazing film. And when I watched that film, I could see the struggles and the doubts and the ego of the student. And of course, uh, Toshiro Mukune is portraying so well the, the character of the teacher and the way that he helps to raise the student up. So th that was a very, of course, a very amazing film. I was very inspired by it. When I saw your film, I had the same feeling. It's showing those same exact qualities but of course not in a fictional way. These are, these are real people. And it's a very important work they're doing to preserve this art of carving the Buddhist images. So uh, I'll compare your film. I'm sorry to compare you to Kurosawa. <laughs> 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 your film struck me the same way. So that's, again, I think that's why it's so valuable. Wow, I'm a, I can <laughs> feel more honored than this. So one of the reasons why I started uh, making a film is actually Kurosawa. So Seven Samurai, oh, Jimbo, really? and uh, Sanjiro, and the Red Beard, you know, Akahige, and things like that. So that, that's like a, wow, thank you so much for that. <laughs> so uh, in the West, sometimes uh, people say 
such a relationship between master and apprentices uh, sounds so harsh, too harsh, like a power harassment, uh, you know, things like that. So what do you say to that? It's easy to misinterpret that kind of relationship or activity. And it's also easy for it to go in a, in a strange direction if the motivation of the teacher and the student are not pure. But if there's a pure motivation and the sincerity is there, you know, teacher-student relationship is just a human relationship. So like any human relationship, we should have honesty, we should have good communication, we should have devotion to each other. If those things are there, then I think even the so-called harshness can be beneficial. The student can use it to sharpen or refine themselves and uh, to increase their capacity, you know, to, to overcome their limitations. If the purity or sincerity is not there, it's easy for it to become a kind of bullying or for the, the student to misuse the relationship, for the teacher to misuse the relationship and so on. But again, your film shows, I think, very pure uh, expression of that very sincere expression of that. Uh, people who are using that art, uh, not only to learn a, a remarkable skill, but to transcend their own limitations and to catch the essence of the, the old feeling handed down from for so many centuries. So I know modern people, we sometimes say they're less strong than the people in the past or they're spoiled compared to people in the past. I guess there's some truth in that. But also I have to tell you, uh, my experience of Zen teaching, the younger generation, like so-called Generation Z right now, something about them now, they're very hungry for authenticity. They're very hungry for the real deal, so to speak. They, they're very sensitive to anything which is not authentic or which sort of panders to them. They've grown up with that kind of atmosphere and they can see it, they're very sophisticated. So I have a really high hope actually, uh, the, this most recent generation coming to adulthood they're starting to come into our Zen dojo and they're really applying themselves. They, they can get it. They can catch the old way. So I hope with the Butsuzo, it will be, will, will be the same. There'll be a new generation of uh, you know, artists coming in. I, I think it's possible. We will have a renaissance of this kind of knowledge and learning. Wonderful. So when people go to uh, your temple and they get the instruction from you, so there's no easy way, huh? There's no easy way. I, I can only share the way that I learned from my teachers, but uh, the benefit is so vast. And uh, I, I guess I'm a, my style of teaching is a little more soft than my teacher was. <laughs> so could be that will be easier for them. But when it comes down to it, all kinds of training, any activity which is of value, we have to use it as a mirror to see our own limitations, our own uh, blind spots. Every place that we are weak, we need to see clearly. So that means it's always going to be difficult. No one likes to see those things. A good training and a good teacher will put the mirror in front of you constantly. And then after that, it's up to you. It's up to the student. So I guess the real harshness comes from seeing ourselves clearly. And that's the part which people really don't like. That's the part we need more than anything. Wow, so, so deep. Wow. Wow. I don't <laughs> even know uh, where to continue with this. But uh, so speaking of the master, so what is your experience of, of your master uh, and the, the relationship between you and your master? 
I was lucky in that I was able to train with several masters, all in the same Zen lineage. Um, my main teacher, who was actually a lay master, uh, so that was very interesting, actually. He was not a priest or a monk. He was a lay Zen master, which means he was expressing his Zen activity in a normal, everyday life. So that was very inspiring for me. He was extremely powerful, very harsh kind of training. But then I had another teacher, a Japanese Zen master. He was a much more refined in his expression and a very compassionate, you know, less, less sharp uh, or harsh in a way. Uh, he's certainly very sharp, but less harsh in his expression. So those two kind of a balanced. It was very interesting for me. And then my final Zen teacher was a Westerner, American. As he's a senior Dharma brother of mine. So then I had the experience of being able to train with a Zen teacher who spoke my own language, and we were able to communicate so closely and easily. And that showed me yet another side of it. So, so I guess what I'm saying is that it's, it's often to the benefit of the student to have exposure to different masters. They can see the very many facets of the training, at least for me. That was very useful, very beneficial. And then today, I, of course, I continue training with other teachers. I, I believe, as you know, I'm a student of uh, Koshikidake Sensei training in Shugendo, too. And he has yet another personality and another kind of character. I'm a learner, you know, benefiting so much from that. So I think we need to have one teacher who is our shisho, you know, our main master. But then there comes a time that we could benefit from learning many different approaches and enriching ourselves. That's really... Uh, I feel very fortunate I was able to do that. Mm. Was there any time that you thought that was too much, too hard, and uh, you want to quit? Oh, all the time, all <laughs> the time. I think the, the first years of my training, I, I lived for seven years in my teacher's training hall, full-time with him. And I would say the first three years, especially, every single day I didn't know if I could continue. Every single day I had to choose to stay. So that was a difficult time, but so amazing. Such an amazing time for me. Well, somebody as mentally tough you are, as you are, I want to make a leave. That must be so hard, so hard. Well, I wasn't mentally tough. And I hated that about myself. I could see clearly uh, what I could not do well. I guess my desire to improve was greater than my uh, desire to leave. But not by much. It was very close sometimes. <laughs> mm. So at that time, you didn't understand why that was so hard, or you understood it, or maybe you understood it or appreciated it later. So what, what, how was that? How was it? That's hard, right? Because coming from my background, I didn't have any familiarity with that kind of training. Later on, of course, I could see more clearly. Still, I'm seeing more clearly. <clears throat> from time to time, why he, my teachers said or did what they did. I'm still understanding more and more as time goes on. But I guess when I was young, you know, our generation, uh, my generation growing up, uh, when I did in the United States, Star Wars was a big influence. You know, I wanted to find my Yoda. I wanted to find my master who would help me to understand life, you know. And at that time also in the 70s and 80s, of course, the Japanese culture and you know, Japanese economy was growing amazing way, and uh, Japanese culture was very influential in American movies and media and so on. So, 
when I had the chance to study meditation and martial arts under a Japanese master, that was like finding my Yoda. I, I guess I had the, the mind already in my generation, many of us did, to seek some kind of teacher, some kind of mentor figure. That was something that was in all the movies that we were watching and all the books we were reading. So even though, I guess what I'm saying, even though the, culturally I didn't have such a, uh, many tools to understand that kind of relationship, uh, many people in my generation, we wanted it. We wanted to find something like that. And I was fortunate. I found the amazing teachers and happened to be from Japan. So that was the, set the course of my life's path just by chance. Mm -hmm. Nice. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. Great. So, how do Zen students can understand Zen better by watching Carbon Divine? I know you mentioned that a little bit, but uh, please tell us. Mm. I, I will say this way: if from from my shallow understanding of that art, which which your film shows. If someone wants to carve a good statue of Kanon or Furomyo or, or some uh, figure like that, it cannot be the projection of the person's character and personality onto the wood. They have to catch something of the essence of that figure. So in, in a sense, they have to become Kanon. They have to become Furomyo in some way if the statue will have the real life. And I think that that ability to to negate yourself, cut through yourself. That's what we learn from the teacher, whether it's Zen or carving Buddhist statues or doing Shodo or any kind of fine art like that. The art has to be something that cuts through us. We, we com completely negate the, our egoistic self. And then through mastery of the art, that self can be reaffirmed, but, but what's reaffirmed is something different. It's something so much more vast. It's something that can make the great Furomyo statue. It's not something that's a projecting a, a small image of the statue onto the wood. I don't know if that's a clear way to say it, but uh, that the training of any kind, I think, has to cause us to completely let go of and completely cut through the small person who first begins the practice. And then in the course of the practice, we start to see that our capacity, our ability is boundless. What we actually are is not this small thing we thought we were. The art shows us that. And then the art starts to reflect that from us. And then the so-called great art could emerge from that. This is not something one can learn on one's own. This is something one has to catch most easily from another human being who has embodied it. So. The traditional training, as you know, of being around the teacher, it's not just showing up for a lesson a few times a day. You have to be the teacher's attendant. You have to spend a lot of time observing all of their daily activities. You're carrying their sandals. You're, you're serving them too. You're, you're doing everything you can to, to try to unify yourself with that human being. And that's something somehow in that crucible, we catch the essence of what that person embodies. But it's not about that person, it's bigger, it's more boundless than that. We have to learn to inhabit the same space. So that's my experience of being around my teacher. I have to assume it's the same in all of these traditional arts. 
But again, this is what we call the mind-to-mind transmission, the transmission of this, not just the skill, but the essence of the art, the principle of the art through the human being to another human being, generation to generation. It's, it's, it's so beautiful, so amazing, right? So precious. Wow. Yes. And uh, it cannot be learned by only going to school or reading a book. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Because it's, a, it's not just a skill. It's a, it's a way of being. Right. It's, it, wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a michi. It's a path. So we need to follow in the footsteps of someone who's walking. Wow. No, that's, that's wonderful. So great. Uh, yeah, you mentioned about the Buddha and the uh, Buddhist sculptures. And the, yeah, definitely, you know, this is one of the important things for my documentary along with the, the covers. But so what is a Buddha in uh, Rinzai Zen tradition and how you guys can utilize it? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit in the past. It's quite kind of an amazing subject. <clears throat> uh, for us, you know, any kind of Buddhist image, even these small ones I have on my home, Butsudan, uh, of course, they have a symbolic meaning in terms of a Buddhist teaching and principle. But from a Rinzai Zen standpoint, we are also looking at them as uh, uh, something we can use in the practice to catch the essence of the teaching in our own bodies. In other words, the, the images themselves become like a mirror for us. There was a, a very famous Zen master, Edo period Zen master, uh, Suzuki Shosan was his name, Suzuki Shosan. And he uh, famously, his teaching was called Neo Zen. He was using the Neo statues, like the, the temple gate guardian statues as the models for his Zen. And his idea was, if we face a Buddhist image and we do so in a certain state of a, a certain meditative state, we do so with a great openness and a great clarity, we're not just going to see some symbolic figure. We will catch the energetic vibration, again, the ki or the ki from that image, and that will change our own mind, change our own body. So that means if I sit in front of a statue of Fudomyo, and my condition is correct, the image is a good image, I could start to experience in my own body and mind, in, in the state of a meditative absorption, what the meaning of Fudo is. In other words, again, my own mind stream becomes somehow joined with the Fudo. I become Fudo. So that means from a Rinzai Zen standpoint, again, when we bow to the uh, statue on the Butsudan or we, uh, we, we we see these things around the temple as we walk around. They're not just uh, religious icons representing this or representing that. Kanon uh, represents compassion and so on. It's much more deep than that. Each one of them is uh, transmitting something to me, which transforms my whole body mind. That's how we train to use them. And I could also say that some images in terms of the iconography, the way the body is formed, has a kind of a code or an encoded message for us, which is transmitted through the oral instruction in the Rinzai Zen about how we have to do our training. So for example, you can see in some statues the way the, the belly, the hara is formed. This is showing us something about how we have to train the breathing in our meditation practice. Uh, there are many kinds of things like this, which again, they're not just symbolic, but they point to something I have to actualize in my own body. So 
in a nutshell, that's that's how we view the Buddhist iconography or images in Rinzai Zen. Uh, they're not just showing us the idea or the symbol or expressing a conceptual principle. There, there's, we have to learn to catch from them something which changes our own bodies. And again, we have a lot of oral instruction passed down in the tradition about that. But if the listeners are interested, they can research this great master, Suzuki Shosan uh, from the Edo period. He talks about Neo-Zen, N-I-O, the Neo-statues. And if someone searches online for that, they can find a lot of information. How we can use these amazing images to embody the, what they're pointing at, not just to look at them with separateness as a symbol. Wow. No, we had such a deep conversation today. I really <laughs> appreciate that. So I would, I would like to ask you a silly question. Uh, so do you think people should watch Calvin the Divine? <laughs> Absolutely. And I have a plan. I'd like to show it to my students too. Uh, we, we hope to have a showing of the film when it's available at our temple for the people because I want to show them again. You have to learn from this film how to be a student, what it means really to practice something deeply. I think uh, they will be able to get it. So Reverend Maido, so I'm planning to uh, do crowdfunding campaign for Calvin the Divine because we have to raise funds for distribution. What do you think of it? I think that everyone should watch this film and everyone should contribute to your campaign because it's truly a gift to the world. Uh, this film will show you what it means truly to learn uh, amazing discipline, amazing art under a mentor, under a master. It's a tradition of learning which the Japanese culture has uh, preserved. And I think it's a great, again, gift to the world if people can understand this more deeply. So please contribute, please watch the film and let's get uh, Carving the Divine out there to as many people as we can. Wow, I'm speechless, so thank you so much.